a lot of what I've learned, a lot of what I show people, a lot of what I teach and, and, and talk about is mainly because I made the wrong decision previously. So I wouldn't have gotten to that point had I not taken on strategies, had I not done this and done that, started a YouTube channel, started a podcast, started a blog, trying to bring in organic traffic from pretty much anywhere I can. And then when something sticks, when something seems to be doing well, or if a sale comes in from a particular traffic source, then I double down on it then and figure out, okay, how can I create more sales from this organic source? Hello, fabulous person. Beata Shillette here, The Growth Architect. Welcome back to The Business Growth Architect Show, where we bring you cutting-edge business strategies from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, business transformation experts, and visionaries who want to help you to scale your impact. Look for one tangible strategy that you can take back and implement right away. And now back to our guest. Hello, everyone. This is Beata Shillette, the Growth Architect, your host for the Business Growth Architect Show. And today I have a phenomenal guest who is going to take you in a place we haven't been before. So welcome to the show, Chris. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do? Hi, Beate. Thanks for having me on the show. This is so cool. <laughs> so uh, my name is Chris Miles. Um, a lot of people might know me as Benji's dad. And Benji's dad is because my son is named Benji and I'm his dad. And that's basically how I got started with this whole mess of uh, creating content online and then, you know, driving, you know, free organic traffic, getting new leads and everything into the businesses that I was running then, that I'm running now, that I plan to run in the future. When we first got started, it was really just me and my wife and we had jobs. They weren't the greatest jobs in the world, but they were like what I like to call J-O-Bs or just overbroke type jobs because we had just enough money to pay the bills. But if anything crazy happened, like the car broke down or house broke or something like we needed to fix it. You know, we were one bad accident away from being completely you know, out of it. So things got a little bit more interesting. We found out that we were pregnant with our first son, uh, Benji. And that's when everything changed because my wife wanted to stay at home. She wanted to quit her job. And I was like, Ugh, we can't afford that. <laughs> so I had to come up with something. And she was like, you know what? You need to figure this out because I'm staying home with my son. So just to fast forward this a little bit, I went ahead and started uh, creating content online, specifically with uh, blogs. Then I started stepping into YouTube and podcasting and a few of those things. And eventually, you know, it wasn't easy, but eventually things kind of started to grow and kind of to blow up. And th that was about seven years ago now. And I've been doing this full time for about four of those years. It's uh, no sign of stopping in sight, <laughs> at least for right now. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, I loved that. And uh, and anybody who is checking out Chris or look up Benji's dad, we actually see Benji and your wife on your social media and around. So we 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 get a deeper insight into the story and how does anybody not want to be staying home with Benji and play with him all day long? Yeah, so, no, that's that's funny, but it's it's the truth. It's the truth. It is the truth. So a question for you: What does what role does strategy play in your business? Oh, strategy is huge, okay, because it's everything. I remember when I was working, you know, the regular nine to five job, you know, you had a boss always telling you what to do, when to do it, when it was due and all of this fun stuff. But when you're working for yourself, you need to come up with everything, you know, from inception to to, to the execution. And I remember when I first quit my job, I, I took a break for a while. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I had a hard time getting stuff done because I didn't have the focus there anymore. But then once I actually sat down and created a strategy for how I wanted to bring in new people to the business, how I wanted to put them through my sales process or marketing process, and then hopefully they come out the other end as a buyer. When I finally 
kind of put that on paper, then things started to really take shape at that point. So how many strategies are you using and are you adjusting your strategies constantly? Yeah. So when I first got started, it was just blogging, created a blog and I was uh, doing a lot of stuff with marketing and I learned how to do what's called niche blogging, where you basically choose any topic. It could be bowling. It can be golf. It can be something like that. You create a website around that particular topic and then you answer you know, common questions. You try to create content so that you can draw people or do what's called attraction marketing, draw people to you, and then you send them to any affiliate products you might have if you have any what are called informational products that you can make money with. So I started doing that with uh, what's called organic marketing. So I wasn't paying a single dime to get these uh, new leads into the business. And then after a while, I uh, went ahead and launched a YouTube channel after I had some success with that, with the blogging, I decided to start teaching people how to do it more effectively on YouTube. And um, at first, it was just more of a supplemental type video to kind of complement the blog post. But then after a while, I realized that the YouTube videos were getting traction a little faster than the actual blog posts were. So I kind of switched my strategy. Instead of going blog post with the accompanying video, I started doing the video with the accompanying blog post. And after that, things just kind of had a couple of videos go viral and things took off after that. What's the definition of strategy for you? The definition of strategy is to having a proven path or method that you follow consistently every single day. And it, it needs to be that way because without it, there's there's no direction. And I don't want you to, you know, I, I hated this feeling, waking up in the morning and being, okay, what am I going to do on my business today? If, if that's the way you're waking up in the morning, you might already be struggling, right? You need to be able to know, okay, what am I planning for the week? What am I planning for the month? What am I planning for the year, the, the quarter, whatever it is that you happen to be doing and having that strategy in place as to what needs to be created when, what goals do you have? And then when you get to the end of the quarter, get end of the year, did you reach that goal? And if you did reach it, great. Now it's time to set another goal. If you didn't reach it, well, what can we do to not get discouraged and just readjust it and then start going after something again later? Doing it just you know, willy-nilly off the top of your head, it's going to lead to frustration and disaster, most likely. I like that a lot. I think that a lot of people are very reactive in their business. They see, they get up in the morning, they see the, you know, number of emails that have come in, they see what needs to be done, they respond, they react, and that's pretty much their entire day. And at the end of the day, they kind of don't know where the day went or where the week went or where the month went, and they wonder why they're not making any money. So what do you do when a strategy doesn't work? Because that, that uh, Chris, is a lot of times, I think, where a lot of business owners get stuck because they put mo at money, time, and energy into creating something, and then they keep putting more money in it, even though it's not really working. What do you, what do, you do when something's not working? How do you know it's not working? Yeah. So let me preface this with the old Michael Jordan quote where he says, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, right? So usually, you know, you can look at a strategy and you can start using it and then see if it works. But then you have to give it a sufficient amount of time. The only problem with that is sufficient amount of time is subjective, right? I mean, do you give it a week? Do you give it a month? Do you give it a year? Typically with most things, if you put your mind to it and you stick to it for long enough, you'll eventually figure it out because you'll probably make all of the same mistakes that I made. And just, I used to be the kind of person where on a true false test, I'd always get it wrong. But the benefit of that is that I I'll, I now know what the right answer is each time, right? <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've only done that by, a lot of what I've learned, a lot of what I show people, a lot of what I teach and, and, and talk about 
is mainly because I made the wrong decision previously. So I wouldn't have gotten to that point had I not taken on strategies, had I not done this and done that, started a YouTube channel, started a podcast, started a blog, trying to bring in organic traffic from pretty much anywhere I can. And then when something sticks, when something seems to be doing well, or if a sale comes in from a particular traffic source, then I double down on it then and figure out, okay, how can I create more sales from this organic source? Hopefully that makes sense. Yes, it makes that make makes it that does make a lot of sense. So switching now in all the strategies you've done and are you do that you're doing right now, what is your favorite one that you want to share with the audience? My favorite one. My favorite one has got to be blogging is still number one. And then YouTube is like a close, close second, if not one A, one B kind of situation. Podcasting has been really fun. I need to get better at the whole at this part of it where I'm getting more interviews because most of my shows are solo shows where I'm just kind of talking about a particular subject um, in the space. But probably in that order is blogging and YouTube are like one A, one B. Podcasting is great because it does kind of diversify yourself outside of just Google properties because Google also owns YouTube. So um, by diversifying your traffic sources and having more things coming from more places. If one place were to die tomorrow, my whole business isn't dead. I actually have a podcast or an email list or something like that where I can still tap in and make some money uh, regardless of what's going on in the world. Very, very nice. So all your strategies seem to be strategies to create content and then convert that content into traffic and have that traffic then go in as a lead somewhere in your in your funnel and then tweaking the the conversion piece. So let's dive into your favorite strategy, blogging. Sure. How how does it work? Okay. So most people, when they hear blogging, they're thinking about, you know, Sally who creates a blog that talks about her day or, you know, or something like that. And, you know, that type of blogging died 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even. Unfortunately, now, today, you need to be able to create content that people are actually looking for. Google is what's called a search engine. Think about it. When you use Google, you're asking it a question. You're trying to get something fast. So it's to Google's best interest to get the answer to you as quickly as possible. So if you Google, like um, we talked about Michael Jordan earlier, how tall is Michael Jordan? It's going to pop up on the page. And if it's right, great. What that means is that you're now going to use Google again later because it gave you the right answer this time. Now, if Google starts spitting out the wrong answer, you might go try Yahoo. You might go try Bing or whatever the other search engines happen to be. But Google wants to get the answer right. So because we know the strategy of what Google wants to do, we can now build our businesses around the strategy that works along with what Google is trying to do. So you would create a a blog, any niche topic, and one that, you know, one that we were talking about earlier was I have a golf blog. So in the golf blog, I would create, I would uh, look for questions that people are asking on Google. I would then check the results to see what kind of results are popping up when people Google this question. If this question is not, if the answer to that question is not very good, then I can create something that's better out there that answers the question and is super helpful. By doing that, I'm now drawing in a audience of people who are interested in golf. And if that's the case, I now have tons of products, tons of services, tons of everything that I can now promote to that particular audience because they're already interested in what it is I have to offer. So the whole process from A to Z is basically finding a way to monetize, uh, finding what is being what's called underserved on Google, and then creating content around that so that you can then funnel those people to the offers that will then eventually make you money. Very sneaky. So how do I find out what's underserved on Google? Because I think 
the uh, search engine optimization or the keyword piece is a, a tough nut to crack for most business owners. When I say SEO, everybody goes, I need SEO. What do I do for SEO? But they don't even understand SEO or what that even means. So can you can you help us a little bit to understand that maybe better? Yeah, for sure. So SEO, you know, for those who don't know, it's called search engine optimization. You are crafting a piece of content in a way so that it's easier to be found in Google or YouTube or whatever search engine you happen to be using at the time. I kind of liken it to a library. Everyone remembers the old Dewey Decimal System, right? So you would, you know, when you're looking for a book, you would then search for it and you would search for whatever book that is. It would give you the little number and then you would know what part of the library to go to to go grab that book. And that's how kind of what you're doing with your website. You're creating a blog post. You're creating a YouTube video. You're creating whatever it happens to be and you're tagging it by what that topic is about. So just for the sake of example, if we were talking about bowling, you might want you might have a question as to, you know, what's the heavy, what's the best bowling ball that hits a strike every time or something like that. That's probably a bad example, but the principle is still there. So you go on Google. I would search in whatever Google tells me is the actual question that people are looking for. The trick here is that Google tells you that by what's called the autocomplete. So when you start typing, you'll notice that a big box pops up and it gives you, Google's trying to guess what it is you're trying to say. If you can find a question that is automatically autocompleted, that means Google is telling you that you're not the only person who's Googling this. Other people are Googling it as well. So then you just press enter and then look at the results. Are the results good? Are they helpful? Are they not, you know, very good at all? If that's the case, that might give you opportunity to create a piece of content that then answers that question. And then what happens is when someone searches or they're looking through that Dewey Decimal System in a library, Google knows where to go to grab it and say, hey, here's the answer. The benefit to Google with this is the more people use Google, the more chances they'll be they'll interact with what's called an advertisement. You'll notice you see ads and everything on Google. And the more likely that you're using Google, the more that you're on Google, the more likely you are to click on those ads, the more likely you are to click on those ads, the more money Google ends up making. So again, it's to Google's best interest to keep you coming back to the platform over and over again. And we can work with that by providing answers to questions that Google is looking for. I love that. So I believe that now I can use that strategy, not just for creating a brand new blog or a brand new category, but also looking for a topic on my existing website for my existing blog. So if I think about, you know, in, in, in my world, everything is about strategy, systems creation, system formula maximization, vertical expansion, making sure that there's all these systems in place that business owners, you know, can can create this customer journey. So I I now can go to Google and I can look at, you know, what people are looking for when they're looking for strategists. And then I can take that particular question and I can create one blog post just around this one specific question that I'm just seeing. Am I understanding this right? Yes, that's pretty much it. And actually, you just mentioned something that is really important to this, too, because sometimes you might not know what questions, you know, people in this space are talking about. And you would do that by you will figure out what questions are being asked by referencing your ICA or your ideal customer avatar. So 
what is your ideal customer looking for? What are they doing? What are they reading? What are they watching on TV? Uh, once you understand all of these aspects to it and you can speak directly to them, you know, there's an old saying that says, if you try to talk to everybody, you end up talking to nobody, right? So you need to be able to be direct in who you're talking to, talk to people in their heads. Like, I was just thinking that, how did you know that? It's because I know what your, your, what your customer avatar is. In my, in my business, I actually call my customer avatar Benji. So before I start doing something, I like, okay, would Benji be interested in this? You know, would Benji want to read about this? Would he want to watch this? Or whatever it happens to be. And if the answer is no, I move on to another topic. So that's how we figure out what type of questions are out there. And then we validate it by putting it in Google, seeing if it's an auto suggestion, which then tells us there's traffic there. We just need to find a way to get in front of that audience. I love that. You know, I, I actually just did yesterday, I have an accountability program called Intentional Implementer. And yesterday's episode was about how to crawl into their head. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's exactly what you talk about, where I make them close their eyes and I literally walk them through this. We're not, we're not having Benji as our avatar. What we do is I say, you know, I want you to think about where this person is, what just happened, right? So they're at home, they're trying to work, the kid's running around, somebody just spilled orange juice, the dog threw up on the carpet, you know, your mother is there, it's just before Christmas, you're completely overwhelmed, and now you call. What would you have to say to this person at this moment for them not to want to hang up on you, right? What is it that you can help this person in this very moment? Because that's, I think, what everybody's going through right now. They're overwhelmed, they're yeah. stressed, they're fatigued, they've been at home, now this, this new variant is out, this pandemic right. is never ending, we, we, we've done enough home-cooked meals now that we're really looking forward to eating out again safely, mm -hmm. we wanna travel again. So what state of mind is this person in? So I, I really like this because in a strategy, from a strategy perspective, and as we're maximizing our strategies to say, you know, what would Benji be interested in that? Would this, would this avatar really be interested in that? So this leads me to like one quick follow-up question, Yeah, Chris. So a lot of times, I think people think they know better. They know what this person really actually needs, but not necessarily want. And so they try to push on them the solution that this person might not be familiar with. Any, any thoughts on how, how to get around that? Because I, I, I believe that, especially in the, in the consulting or coaches space, right? People say, oh, I know exactly what they need. They need this, this, and this, and this, but the customer or the prospect doesn't understand that. How do you stay in the language that the customer or the prospect will understand? Yeah, that's actually an excellent question because that's something that if you look on a scale of one to 10, where one is someone who barely knows what a particular topic is. So let's just say cooking. All right. You will put me at like a negative two around cooking. <laughs> But, uh, we said the false box is in another check mark in the false box. <laughs> exactly. so on a scale of one to 10, where, you know, I'm over here at negative two, but a, a 10 would be like a gourmet chef who's been doing this for 30 years. Most people are, you know, in that one to two to three range. When we become, when we start doing um, and being very active in our space and we are doing it every day and we're loving it and we're having fun. Then all of a sudden, we kind of become like a four to a five. We're not saying that we're going to be gourmet, great gourmet chefs, but we're not, you know, beginners. But usually what ends up happening is 
we didn't forget what it's like to be the one, twos, and the threes, right? Or to be the yes. negative twos like me. And then we start using the lingo and the lexicon and the word, weird languages. And the people who are ones and twos are like, I have no idea what the heck he just said, right? Buzzwords. Yeah, exactly. The buzzwords, right? So what I've learned, because I've created a few courses and some of the things that I've been able to learn is that you need to wrap up what people need, but then wrap it in what they want, right? And when you do that, you know, what they need, people don't really know what they need for something. But if you wrap it up in what they want, once they get in, then you can tell them what they need. But you need to get that early on. And you usually do that by just polling the audience, figure out what exactly they want in life. What are they trying to accomplish? What are they struggling with? And then trying to find where you can kind of insert yourself in and say, hey, I got this that can help you go from A to B, the customer journey that you were talking about earlier. What process are you putting people through? So as long as you can take what people need and then wrap it into what they want, you will have to kind of step down a little bit off your little pedestal as the expert and just realize that, okay, what is it that, you know, you're talking about your your avatar who's at home, things are going nuts, you know, the kids running around, the house is messy, all of this random stuff. What is it that they need to stay on the phone, you know, once they call? Once they get to that point and you get them in, now you can tell them what they need just by wrapping it in what they want. I love that. Yes. And and that's important. I'm really glad that we're covering this in, in, in this episode because I see this so often that when, and I think the telltale sign, Chris, is when somebody says, my clients just don't get it. No. Yeah. You don't get it because it's, it's assuming that somebody would be a subject matter expert in what you're trying to be a subject matter expert to them. Exactly. So, yeah, so so they're coming, they're looking for this because they don't have the answer. So you have to present the problem in such a way in words and terminology that they actually would be using, mm-hmm. right? And then you give them, and then you say, okay, if this is the thing, here's the words, here's what's happening, here's here's how you can solve this. I love this very much. This the, the time with you just flew by, Chris. So Tell us where can we find you, learn more about you, or tie into, tag into your wisdom about how to make people listen to you. Okay, well, great. Well, um, I do have a podcast as well. It's called the Blogger Evolution Podcast, where I show people that blogging isn't dead, it's just evolving. So be sure to check it out on your favorite podcast or Blogger Evolution Podcast. And you can just check me out over on my YouTube channel, Benji's Dad. Just search it, you'll you'll find me. I create a whole bunch of random content there, but usually it's business related. It's uh, uh, trying to make money from home. It's trying to find a way to work remotely. My my saying there is that you don't need, you don't always need a job, you need an income, you know? So I try to help people with that kind of thing. And that's basically where people can find me. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. That's it for today. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. All right. Thanks, Piazza. Have a good day. And that's it for us today. Thank you for listening and watching the Business Growth Architect Show. I enjoyed having you here. And for accountability, just take one of the strategies that you have heard, one thing that you can implement in your business immediately. Please leave comments. Don't forget to like and share this show. And if you have any questions about business, please put them in the comments. We are here for you. We're here to support you and help you to grow, build, and scale your own business. For more advice, please check out our website in the show notes below. Thank you again. This is Beat Shillette, the Growth Architect, and goodbye.